You are listening to audio from the Decidedly Podcast. For more information, find us on Instagram at Decidedly Podcast. I'm going to break the fourth wall a little bit today. We record these as you've probably come to realize. And so you're not listening to this live. In fact, we didn't even record this on a Wednesday. We always record these sometimes a week, sometimes a month, sometimes two months in advance. But they're at a set time on my calendar. And that's because we're coordinating with a guest who's usually in a different part of the world. They're not in our office in Fort Worth. And so Morgan graciously blocks off an hour ahead of time for me to get my act together and get everything set up. And surely, without fail, every week that we have a recording, the hour pre-recording time starts and it shows up on my Outlook and I get a notification and I get a text from Morgan even and I don't start getting ready. And I don't get ready because I always convince myself that I don't need a whole hour to get ready. And sometimes that works. Usually we get the recording started on time, but every time it gives Morgan a heart attack. Well, today she almost reached through the screen on Zoom and strangled me herself. So I wait again until like maybe 20 minutes before Uh, the recording actually starts instead of the 60 minutes that she's given me. We turn on the computers. We've got three computers in this studio. We turn on two of the three and they've just completely like blue screen of death. They're not letting me through. And worse, they're asking for a passkey. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, Singer, just remember your password and uh, it'll let you in. Yeah, but see, I didn't say password. I said passkey. It wants a 45 digit key. Now that is not something that you've ever had to do in your life. I've never had a 45 digit nothing. I've never had 45 digits ever for anything. And uh, phone numbers are 10 digits for Christ's sake. I mean, come on, 45 digits. That's not something we had written down anywhere. There's nowhere you can go look that up. And so we go to the FAQ page on Microsoft and it says in big, bold letters just for us, there is no work around and there is no ability for Microsoft to provide you your key. You must have this key. And so Morgan spent about 20 minutes searching for this 45-digit key and we got into these computers, solved our audio problem, solved our video problem, precisely I think about five seconds before Sarah showed up, Sarah Arnold Hall our procrastination expert. Sarah Arnold is a high-performance coach who helps entrepreneurs execute their goals. She specializes in self-discipline and follow-through. She's worked with Olympian CEOs, entrepreneurs around the globe, hosts the popular Stop Procrastinating for Entrepreneurs podcast, and blogged for 730 days straight in an effort to overcome her own procrastination in her business. Couldn't be more perfect timing for us at Decidedly to talk to Sarah. If you're struggling with procrastination, if you've ever procrastinated, if you almost gave your producer a heart attack this afternoon, then this podcast episode is for you. Stick around, listen to our conversation with Sarah, and you'll learn a little bit. My name's Sanger Smith, and this is Decidedly. Sarah, thanks for being here today on maybe the most inefficiently scheduled podcast of all time. My dad Thank you you so know, much is normally, normally the host with me, and he's actually in Wellington, New Zealand, which is where you are right now. And instead of doing this in person with the two of y'all, you're doing it on Zoom with me, what? who's still in Texas. So, Oh, that's so funny. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I, I got. I, I'm not exactly sure what the heck he's gotten himself into over there, but maybe I'll bump into each other in the town square or something. So you are a procrastination expert, which um, my mom would have loved for me to have met you when I was in uh, high school and couldn't seem to turn an assignment in on time. 
what was that journey like for you to go from someone who's a procrastinator to an expert in helping people overcome their procrastination? Mm, I, just like you, really struggled with procrastination all through high school and through university as well. I would stay up really late doing assignments and kind of just jam them in at the last second, like a lot of procrastinators. And I got really fed up with it. Like I was so sick of it. The fact that I just couldn't seem to get myself to do what I said I'd do. I'd make plans. I'd say like, yeah, no, I'm totally going to get this assignment done. Or once I started my business, I'm totally going to get this work done. I'm going to get this project done. And then I just wouldn't do it. And it frustrated me so much because seemed like all of the techniques and tools that everyone else was teaching were so um, ineffective for me. And I felt like it was my fault and there was something wrong with me. But actually, as it turns out, it's not that. Sorry? What What are some of the things that people would tell you to do? Oh, totally. Like just do five minutes is a really common um, suggestion, which only works if you're solving for the thought, I don't want to do this for a long time. But often yeah. that wasn't my challenge. So it's you're solving a problem that doesn't exist. The problem is something else. And so a lot of time management techniques like that, or another one is, um, you know, use the Pomodoro timer for 25 minutes and sit down. But like, that's not solving the problem that I was facing. The problem that I was facing was like the the resistance, the emotions that I was having that were stopping me from wanting to take action. So once I kind of learned how to shift that, that's when things really started to change. And that's when I was able to help other people also face procrastination. I think almost everyone has experienced procrastination on some level and, and people to varying degrees have found solutions, some much better than others, right? And I think that's where that kind of nonsense advice comes from is people go, oh, this worked for me. That means obviously it's the right solution, Sarah. Why don't you just do what I did? And the root cause of the problem is it could be wildly different, right? Like we could both have the same symptoms, but doctors are going to diagnose us for different issues. Completely. And that's exactly what's going on when you hear top five tips to time management or stop procrastinating. It's just like other people's stuff that work for them, but we're not addressing that root cause. Okay. So you mentioned the feelings that you were experiencing. What types of feelings were you experiencing and how aware were you that you were even having feelings in the first place? Mm. Initially, I didn't realize that that was what the problem was. I thought I was lazy. Um, And it turns out that there are five main emotions that I've studied from coaching hundreds of clients on this issue for the last five or six years now. Um, And the five emotions that I see that really affected me, but also I see as a pattern with others, is confusion overwhelm, self-doubt, fear, and lethargy. So if you're feeling confused about what you need to do, there's no way just do five minutes is good advice because how am I supposed to do five minutes on something I don't understand what I'm supposed to be doing? A lot of the time when I was procrastinating, that's it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's similar with overwhelm. Like if I'm feeling overwhelmed um, because I'm feeling like there's not enough time, for example, or there's so much to do, then just do five minutes still also isn't, well, I'm not going to get it done. So what's the point in even doing five minutes Yeah. or, you know, various other things. So the, there's the, um, those are the five key emotions, confusion, overwhelm, self-doubt, fear, and lethargy. And when you figure out which one is actually stopping you from taking action, then you can address and use appropriate techniques to actually address that challenge. Okay. So e- each of us are feeling either overwhelm, fear, self-doubt, or lethargy. And we've got to identify which of those is causing our procrastination that we can tackle the fear, the self-doubt, or the overwhelming nature of the project or the lethargy instead of tackling the procrastination, which is a symptom of one of those four. Am I on the right page? Absolutely. Yes. So the procrastination is an action, even though it's not an action, but it's an action that comes from our feelings and our feelings are what drive everything that we do. Our emotions are what tell us whether we're going to do something or not. And so if you're feeling one of those five emotions, then you're not going to want to actually do it. And the thing is also, it's not just one. Sometimes there's all five that you're experiencing. And so you have to go through them one by one and tackle what are the challenges with each of them. But usually it's one or two main ones that people are facing. 
So what was going on in your life when you began to discover it's not the fact that I don't do the thing, it's the overwhelm or the self-doubt or the, the it, when did you start to have this realization? Yeah, it was when I decided to blog every day for two years. I was like, you know what, I'm going to overcome this procrastination thing. I'm just going to blog. And I, I decided to set myself a challenge that felt, you know, impossible, like two years, like a 30 day challenge was something I had failed at many, many times. And I had had a blog for about a year prior to that. And I had posted maybe six times total. <laughs> and yeah, I was like, I'm going to okay. post every day for two years. I thought I think one year probably would have been enough, but it didn't sound exciting enough to me. So I was like, let's do it for two years. It sounds crazy. And yeah. immediately I started discovering all of the resistance. It became so obvious to me because I had to do something every single day. I had no way of getting out of it. And I told everyone, I had publicly put it on the line that I was going to do this. So it became really yeah, and apparent. They can check your work, the... by the way, right? <laughs> it's right, one of those they things. Can tell. They can't tell that they, you know, oh, I'm going to run a marathon. Well, you know, payday isn't for until race day. They're going to find out that I'm a fraud, but I'm going to blog every day. People are going to know in the morning if I miss. Yeah, people were waiting. They're like, where's yeah. the blog post? And I'm like, oh, okay. And, and granted, not very many people were reading it in the beginning, but there was enough that I was like, got to do this. My reputation's on the line here. But that's not enough Like to overcome the feeling of not doing it until the last second, right? So you have yeah. to, I had to realize and, and work through what was coming up. And sometimes it was confusion. Sometimes it was like, I, literally, I just have no idea what I'm going to write today. And sometimes it was overwhelmed. Like there's just too many other things in my life. Sometimes I was doubting myself. Who even wants to read this? This is the stupidest project ever. Why did I start this? Yeah. What like, or fear, like, um, um, you know, what if I fail at this? What if I get halfway through this and I do a year or I do 30 days or however much and I don't make it to the end? What's that going to mean? I had all of these thoughts. But particularly, and I think this one is the one that people think of the most when we think of procrastination, is lethargy. And that's, I just don't feel like doing it. I know what I need to do. I know how to do it. I just don't want to do it. And learning how to overcome each of those it was the process of blogging that helped me realize what those emotions were for me and and how to overcome them. Uh, that's interesting. That actually writing about it is what kind of uncovered the thought, right? And writing yeah. it helps you. The, it, the exercise of writing is to think. I think you can, <laughs> if you have a problem, go write about it and you're going to be able to tackle that problem much better simply because you've written about it and you understand what your own brain is saying better than you did before you started writing. Yeah, my mom says, I can't think without a pen. I think that's yeah. so true. Yeah. So at what point, Sarah, you're going through this process, you're learning day after day, you're hitting the blog goal, you're hitting the blog goal, you're hitting the blog goal, you're nearing in on that two-year mark and you go, wait a second, I've accomplished something big. I've, I've conquered something within myself. And that is, I had this nature to procrastinate. I was feeling overwhelmed and self-doubt and, and I conquered it. I think I can help other people with this. Yeah. Um, I was already kind of coaching people on their goals and I had started to see that the techniques I was using for myself were working for my clients. And so I just started deciding, you know what, this is my thing. This is going to be, I'm going to help people take action. That's going to be my focus. And when I started telling people that, it just became so clear that this is the problem that nearly everyone in business is facing to some degree. Some people are facing it at the very top level. Like I have my like top level CEOs who are not facing, say, um, the the motive. They don't have, they've got the motivation to do it, but they're completely overwhelmed by everything going on that they're just putting things off and they're not focusing on what truly matters. So yeah. um, that was the point when I really decided to stop. Yeah, once I had completed two years of blogging and then I had this thing as well, I was able to say, I did this. I said I was going to do it and then I did it every day, every day for two years, 730 days in a row. That's why you can trust me. Yeah. And the consequences for the CEO to procrastinate are severe, right? I mean, I remember the feeling of procrastinating as a student and as an employee and, and when I got most in my own head and fearful it was, oh, I'm going to get fired. I'm going to get kicked out of school. I'm going to get all these. Somebody else with authority and power over me is going to do something to 
harm me or uh, lower my quality of life or, or take something from me. And as a leader, um, I would have thought at that time in my life, oh, once you're a leader, it's fine. Nobody can take away anything from me. Nobody can fire you when you own the business. And I would say it's like 10 times worse because if I'm procrastinating, my team sees that and they're going to know that I've missed the mark and that I haven't gotten them something that they need. And I feel horrible. I feel way worse. I Sometimes I'm like, I wish they could, you know, they could fire me, these people that I pay. Yeah, 100%. The, the risk is so much higher. And that's why I decided to work with entrepreneurs and CEOs and um, anyone in business because of, I mean, they have so much skin in the game. You, there's such a good reason to overcome this. And it yeah. can make such a huge effect when you actually start implementing what matters when it matters when you say you're going to do it you know that it can be the difference between hitting your goals or not yeah for sure and for all the other people that are relying on your leadership too right well what when did you start to see the impact of this coaching in others like what was the biggest success story you had early on oh one of my favorite early on success stories is i had this client named kira and she, she's all over my website, so you can see. But she t- came to me and told me she wanted to start a, uh, a bookstore. And she said it's been her lifelong dream. She's been thinking about doing it for 10 years, but hasn't done it. And I asked her, how long do you think it's going to take? She said, I think I can do it in one year. And I was like, this is classic like procrastinator brain. Right? Like, hey, I'm going to give myself like loads of time to do this thing that feels like a huge project so that, you know, so then being realistic to my brain but sometimes this actually sabotages us because then we give ourselves a whole year and then we do it all in the last two weeks and so i said i think you can do it in six months and i pushed her to do that nine weeks later she had a physical store open in the uk and she i think she made twenty five thousand pounds of sales in her first month it was christmas and like just to watch her brain change like the way she saw herself in nine weeks and then we still had the rest of the six months of coaching to go and so she wrote a book like another thing she had said she wanted to do because she had finally learned how to get herself to actually do what she said she'd do but i think that's one of the most fun um stories that i have because you can physically see the before and after and like um there's these amazing images of her like picking out this um, this building that's totally run down and just transforming it into something incredible. And I think what happened is she really like put something on the line the moment she signed the lease. She was like, yeah. there's no way that this, like I can't procrastinate this. This has to work. And so um, it really overcame that lethargy that she was experiencing initially. She wasn't like, I don't feel like doing it. Well, I'm going to do it anyway. Is that, how effective is that as a, anti-procrastination technique and I mean setting a deadline with a you know severe consequence if I'm not ready at this deadline I mean in some ways I think the deadlines allowed me to pass and graduate college because if projects were not due at a specific time uh you know how else would I know to jam-pack everything on the night before Yeah, I mean, it's extremely effective at getting things done. It doesn't necessarily mean that you won't procrastinate right up until the last second to get it done. But it does definitely encourage people to get things done when there's a real consequence on the line. And this is one of the biggest challenges that entrepreneurs and business owners face is that there aren't actually that many real deadlines that they can't push. Like no one else is setting them. We set them for ourselves in business. And so you have to really start to see the deadlines that you create as real and make them as real as possible. Because if you don't, then you're just going to be able to push it out. And, and communicate those to people. Like we should, um, you know, I was talking with an employee today and she's working on skill development in um, in some some things that are like outside of her comfort zone. She she never really formally done it before. It's like, I'm learning, I'm learning. I've been learning for three months ago. You need to just create a deadline, like, and and finish the project. The project doesn't have to be used for anything. You know, it's not necessarily going on our website, but pick a date, and then then you know what you have. And that's hard. It 
it, particularly in companies that don't have a culture, there's a, we'll, we'll handle that later or we'll talk offline or we'll follow up or we'll circle back. And there's anti-deadline culture. Um, we try to embrace that and say, Hey, pick a time, pick a date, tell me what you're going to do. And I'm the leader, but I'm going to let you decide what the parameters are, what the deadline is, everything, because I don't need to micromanage this for you. And cause more stress and anxiety and overwhelming feelings. You pick it and that way you at least know when you got to get it done. Yeah. That's so powerful. It makes me think about how accountability works. And when I realized how accountability works, this also um, shifted something a lot for me. I used to think that accountability was someone else holding you to something, which it kind of is in the way we talk about it colloquially, right? Like you're you're accountable to someone else or to this thing that someone else has said you have to get done. But really what's happening is you're thinking something about that person or about that deadline that you don't give yourself the privilege to think about your own deadlines. And yeah. all that has to happen is you just have to start thinking those same thoughts. So if I'm thinking, well, Sanger said I have to be here at 10 o'clock. I don't want to miss it. I could think, well, Sarah said I have to be here at 10 o'clock and I don't want to miss it. Uh, so change it from the from someone else's expectation of myself to my expectation of myself. Right. And, and the only difference is really we're just thinking like, I um, it doesn't really matter whether I do it or not. Oh, who cares? Instead of, no, yeah. it really matters. And you can just decide, oh, it really matters. The same as it really matters that I meet someone else's deadline. So what causes the resistance um, in that? You know, some people, I, I imagine there's a little bit of pushback. Because people say, well, I, but we're a lot more uh, forgiving of ourselves than we are to other people, right? If, if um, I, I, in my head, I think, oh, these people who are relying on me, I've missed a deadline. They're going to crucify me. They're going to hate me. They're going to think I'm bad at my job. I'm a bad leader. I set a deadline for myself that nobody knows about and I miss it and nobody still knows about it. Oh, okay. We'll get him next time, man. What, yeah. what causes that difference? Yeah, it's simply the fact that you've got a pattern of thinking around the way that you see yourself and, and your goals. Yeah, it's true, of course, like it doesn't really matter this time. But what does that say about who you are and who you're becoming? Like one of my favorite thoughts that motivates me is I want to be the kind of person who always does what she says she's going to do. Not because mm -hmm. it matters in itself, but because when I become someone who is that person, I'm going to hit every goal that I ever set, And that's what matters to me. I want to be the kind of person who, even though this is a silly thing, like it's really common advice to hear, like make your bed, you know, that's really good. Like, I don't think making your bed means anything. I don't think it's going to define whether you're successful or not. But if you say you're going to make your bed and you don't do it, that's what starts to erode away at your self-confidence and your belief that you can do the things you say you're going to do. So if you yeah, for sure. say you're going to do something, then do it because it's going to build up that uh, sense of self-trust. And then don't just do it, but acknowledge that you did it. Hey, I did that thing that I said I was going to do. I'm someone who does the things I say I'm going to do. Yeah. It, in a lot of ways, confidence comes from repeatedly meeting the expectations we set for ourselves. Right? It, in situations that, that simulate the um, environment that we're training for. So I want to get really confident that I'm going to succeed in a sales meeting or something. Well, if I've practiced enough and done well enough and proven to myself in this training environment and practice, I know that I'm going to, I'm going to be confident going into game time. Um, so that makes sense, right? That we can, if we are not, if we're failing and not living up to our word to ourselves, we're not going to have very much confidence. Just like if we had a friend who never did what they said they would do, we're going to stop relying on that friend, right? And so we're going to stop relying on ourselves if we become that friend to ourselves who doesn't do what he or she says they're going to do. Um, when, when, what's the biggest catalyst for people on having that a successful mindset shift on that issue? Because saying it and understanding it is one thing, but actually implementing it is a different. Yeah, so... A thought becomes a belief when we have evidence for it. 
And so if you choose a new thought, like you're like, I want to be someone who does what I say I'm going to do, or I'm going to do this thing today. We aren't, like you're saying, the confidence comes from doing it and, and backing yourself up and seeing that. It's because you're seeing evidence. It's because you're gathering a whole bunch of reasons why that belief is true. So you want to decide something and then you want to go out and create evidence that it's true. And you're going to start to be like, oh, yeah, this is this is true. I'm someone who does the things I say or I'm someone who's reliable. I'm someone who can trust themselves. So you have to actually create that evidence. You can start by looking for reasons why it's already true. Like you did that thing the other day and, oh, you're here right now doing this podcast or whatever, you know, um, evidence you've got already. But then you want to go out and you want to create more evidence. And every time you have that evidence, you want to tell yourself that, this is the evidence. Look at that. I am someone who does what I say I'm going to do. So is starting, how useful is starting small on that mindset shift? You know, hey, um, I, I hear this from a lot of uh, like personal trainer. You know, hey, you know, if you want to lose 100 pounds, all I want you to do is go to the gym twice this week. I don't care if you work out. I don't care. If you touch any of the weights, I just want you to get there. And for some people, they've got to start so small as getting to the gym, putting on their shoes, um, whatever, walking to the end of the street, like an insanely small goal uh, just to build the habit and prove to themselves that they can do what they said they would do. Um, Whereas a lot of people start really big. I'm going to, you know what? I've never worked out, but heck, I'm going to lose hundred pounds. I'm going to work out every day this week. Well, okay. We missed one. We missed one. All it took was for us to miss one. And we're now we're six for seven. That's pretty good. You know, that's that's much better than zero, which is what I was doing. But I now I missed one. I'm already off. And then they fail and they get back to zero when they could have been really ecstatic with six. Right. Yeah. This is actually something I had to think about a lot because of my journey of blogging every day. So when I blogged every day, I set the goal really big. Like you're saying, like you want to lose a hundred pounds. Like you said the goal big. We don't want to make the goal small, but we want to make the um the minimum version, like a minimum viable action that you can do that still counts. So if you're going to do something every day, maybe you're like, I'm going to do something every single day for my health. And some days that means I'm going to make it all the way to the gym. And some days that means I'm going to um, read through my push-ups manual and do one push-up. Like you get to decide what the minimum is, but if you have, and that's what I did with my blogging, I did a like a a minimum, as long as I published words on a page, it counted. I have one that was three words and that's it. That was my blog post for the day, but I counted it. What did it say? It said, hold for more. There you go. (laughs) Like, all right. I don't know. I don't have something special to say today, but hold for more. There's more coming. That's what it said. So, but I was like, this counts because I'm still doing it because Otherwise, I would have been like, ah, I don't know. I'm, I don't have anything to say today. What's the point? Yeah. And then I would easily be like, oh, I don't have anything to say tomorrow. So the, you're absolutely right that starting small can be really effective and starting big. What really matters is do you have yourself um, that like minimum baseline? As long as the minimum is articulated explicitly. Yes. And, and not you know decided upon time. once you get to the cold, uncomfortable gym in the rain. Right. Okay. You're like, ah, this is enough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. So if we say I'm gonna run three miles, we get down the block and go, ah, my ankle hurts a little bit. I, I did enough. I I did three blocks. Three miles, three blocks, what's the difference? Yeah, that's no good because I'm still breaking the promise. But if I set a minimum, the onset, hey, three blocks, three blocks a day, that's all I gotta run. And then I end up running three miles, that's great. Yes, because doing what you say you're gonna do is about deciding ahead of time and following through on that no matter what. But you decide ahead of time with compassion. So what we're trying to do in those moments, we're like, oh, it's my ankle sore, like I'm going to stop. We're trying to give ourselves compassion. We're trying to say like, you don't need, don't push yourself too hard. It's okay. But what that does is it breaks the trust. So what you want to do is you want to be compassionate ahead of time and you want to plan your compassion in so that you're like, you know what, my, I don't have, if my ankle starts hurting, this is one of the reasons why I will do less, but it will still have counted because that was part of the plan all along is if my ankle hurts, yeah. I don't I don't continue. So I create something with my clients called an excuse list. 
And it's it's a list of pre-planned excuses that count. Uh, like they're legitimately okay to not follow through on the plan on because that's still you following through on the plan because it was on the list already. But yeah. you decide them from your what I call like your your parent brain, the version of you in the past who's making a decision for your future self. Because my toddler self, who's the one in the moment, she never wants to do anything ever. She's always going to try to make a new decision. And I never want my present self, my toddler self to make the decisions. I always want to make a decision when I'm thinking straight from my parent self, from the version of me that can make good decisions. So I have a rule for myself, which is I don't make any decisions the same day. All of the decisions, all of the things I'm doing today were already decided for me yesterday. Mm. So I do that using like a, a scheduling system. I plan out exactly what I'm going to do. And then I do not change it unless it's something from my excuse list. So on my excuse list is like if I get really sick, um, if my granddad calls, I will answer that phone call because he's really important to me. Um, if um, What else do I have on my list? Um, if a friend or a family member like desperately needs my support, not it, and I have like examples of what that would count as, not someone being like, let's hang out, but yeah. someone being like, I, I really need your help right now. So I have this planned out on my list and I get to go and look at my list and be like, is that one of them? Okay, no, it's actually not. So I'm going to follow yeah. through with it. So that makes a lot of sense to me because it, it's, it, I think that there's probably people on a, you know, barbell curve of, people who are looking for any old stinking excuse to get out of their promise to themselves. And then mm -hmm. other people who beat themselves up silly for very legitimate reasons that prevented them from meeting goal. Um, right. So having, that makes a lot of sense. On the scheduling system, though, I'm really interested in this. How detailed are you um, writing out your day's plans for the next day? You know, in some areas of my life, I do that very well with my work calendar that's very very regimented because it has to be because i'm meeting with other people just like right now you know i couldn't decide to do this podcast at 5 p.m we had it scheduled so that's got to be on my calendar but other things whether it's you know cooking dinner or going to the gym etc cetera, etc cetera, some of them i've got to you know i don't i don't really write that down i kind of just decide oh maybe i'll work out maybe i won't i don't know how do we how do you how do you really curate that yeah, I schedule absolutely everything. So I schedule my sleep time. I schedule when I'm going to shower. I schedule when I'm going to eat. And it sounds so rigid. People initially hear this and they're like, whoa, that sounds way too much. But actually, it's the most freeing thing ever. Because before, my brain was having to do this on its own. It's like playing this game of like, um, what am I thinking of? It's not Jenga. What's the game with like drop? It's like a Tetris. digital... Yes, Tetris. It's like a game of Tetris all day that your br your brain is doing constantly yeah. with your calendar. When you do it in advance physically and you put it on the calendar, you free your brain up. It no longer has to do that. And because I'm being compassionate and kind to myself and I've planned nice things to do, it's not like I've jam-packed every moment of the day to be miserable. I sometimes have, like the last week, I had watched Legally Blonde at 11 a.m. on a Tuesday just because <laughs> I decided that's what I thought would my, um, I call it my my best friend. So I teach something called best friend calendaring and it's where you calendar like it's not you that has to execute the calendar, but like it's your best friend, somebody who you really love. Because a lot of us, when we go to calendar like this, we're going to schedule and calendar like we're doing it for our arch nemesis. Like I'm going to make the most regimented mm -hmm. evil calendar. And then that that's of course how we're going to fail because we're making it into this perfect thing instead of um, allowing ourselves to know I'm not going to want to work for 12 hours tomorrow. I'm going to want to take a break and it will be nice to watch them legally bond here and it will be nice to then do a little bit of work here and then I'm going to have dinner here. And I, I set all of those rules ahead of time and I have my excuse list and it just allows me to always have a calendar that I'm excited to be like, this is going to be such a great week. And I know if any of my valid excuses, like anything can go on that list. I've seen people put like um, a new episode of Bridgerton, the TV show came out. It's like that, that's going, if that comes up, then we're dropping everything to watch that. You can put anything on the list ahead of time. You just don't decide it in the moment. And that way it's not this rigid, horrible thing of um, scheduling 
you know, your day intensely, it's really a freeing thing that you get to create for yourself where every moment has already got something decided and then you never have to think I should be doing something else because you shouldn't. Everything has a time. Yeah, that makes sense. So you're you're doing that, what, the night before, the day before, the morning before? How, how much leeway are you given or runway time do you have? Great question. So I plan every week on a Sunday evening at 7 p.m. That's my usual time for doing it. But, and I plan that whole week out. But of course, things change throughout the week. And so I allow myself the night before. The night before, before I go to sleep, that's the last time something can change for the next day. But I'm perfectly prepared to change and move things around as the week goes because things do change. Even this call time changed, right, today. So of course, that counts as something on my excuse list. I can move a call if if the call changes. Um, my friends but, give me a hard time. If I'm sitting around and my buddies go, hey, you want to go out? We're going to all go to dinner on Friday. I'm the one a-hole in the group that goes, so let me check. And I pull up my calendar. Well, let's see. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. so important. Uh, and, you know, I do it because I do one. I don't know what I committed to. <laughs> I have no I, idea. I want to say yes. Yeah, sure. I'll be there. And then I forgot that I committed to, you know, going to Dallas to do some work thing or whatever it is. I always forget. Um, Do you find that people who don't do this kind of give you a hard time about it in a playful way? Definitely. My friends, I I do salsa dancing and they always joke that the first time they met me, they were like, should we do a practice? And I first thing I did was pull out my calendar. Same thing. Um, Definitely. But those aren't the people who who have got the big goals. Right. If they're if you have big goals and you want to achieve them, you have to ask yourself, like, am I going to be someone who like hopefully maybe hits my goals or am I going to be someone who's definitely going to hit my goals? Because um, like how how bad do you want to have a free calendar that you can just do whatever versus how badly do you want to hit the goals that you set for yourself? I If I had a free calendar that I would do whatever I would do, nothing. I wouldn't do anything. I, part of scheduling things for me is like. I'm not going to, my ideal day, if nobody's calling me, nobody needs me, no clients, no work, nothing, nothing, I'm going to be a lazy, good for nothing, and I'm going to become dumb and fat and scraggled and everything, haggard and everything, and I have to schedule everything that I'm supposed to do, otherwise I'm just going to do nothing because I don't want to naturally work out. I don't want to naturally work. I don't want to naturally clean my backyard. I got to schedule it, man. Yeah, in the moment you don't want to, right? But you're yeah, your yeah, exactly. Self, in the moment I don't, and that's why you said it because you're you're not. Uh, one of my friends, she says she's a productivity expert, and she says my past self knew what she was doing when she planned this, and mm. so when I tell myself I don't want to do this. I remind myself, no, I actually, I do. Uh, this version of me right now, she thinks she doesn't. But I mm. do. I want to do this. And I start telling myself all the reasons why I actually do want to do it. And that helps me stay motivated to doing it. Because you're right. In the moment, you're that toddler. You're like, I just want to do whatever I feel like doing in this moment. And the toddler's always going to prefer to watch Netflix. Just yeah. wants to take the easy route. But that's not yeah. really what you want. Yeah, that makes sense. So um, is there a way that like language could could separate those two things? I mean, I guess the the toddler version... Um, of what I want is different than the current version, which is different than the past version of my sober-minded uh, best self. But it's almost like I don't even really want it. Like I, I, I yearn for these things, and then I, I want the pleasure of the lethargy. I want the immediacy, um, but I don't really yearn for it. So, so what do we what do we yearn for is is more important. I mean, the only reason you you think you don't want it, right? Like our our brains are like from an evolutionary standpoint, they're trained to keep us safe. And they're part of that is not expending extra energy. Because if you expend extra energy, you may not be able to run away from the tiger or forage for berries when you need to, right? So like mm-hmm. it's natural that your brain in the moment isn't going to want to do stuff. But that doesn't mean that you can't override that. You can decide. It's like, I always imagine thoughts coming into your brain like food on a platter that somebody at a party has come to serve you. And the way most of us 
use our thoughts is whatever thoughts pop into our brain, we just think those. It's like whatever food is served to you on the platter, you're just like, I'll take it all. (laughs) Instead of being like, I actually hate olives or like, I'm not going to have this little thing because I'm just going to have a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And that's what you want to do with your thoughts is whenever your brain's saying, I don't want to, you can be like, is that really what I think? Do I really want to think that? Because your brain is like a brilliant lawyer and whatever thought you give it, it will fight for that thought and it will win that case. It will put, come up with all the evidence. It will put witnesses on the stand and say, here, here are all the reasons why this thought is true. Yeah. If you feed it a thought, whatever thought. So you might as well pick a thought that's actually going to get you the result that you want and then fight for that thought instead. So when you feel in that moment, like, I don't want to do it, you can just say, actually, I do want to do this. And here's why. You're all the reasons. Even right now, I actually want this. Yeah, it makes sense. You just have to bring the evidence to the front of your brain. So other than um, the calendar, what are some other things that, your clients focus on that get them out of the rut of grassing? Yeah. Um, One of the other things that we do that we start off with immediately is creating a really simple plan. Something that most people do is like create a a 100 step plan to achieve a goal with every tiny little thing. And I teach my clients how to create something called an all it takes plan. And an all it takes plan is simply all it takes. It's not everything it takes. It is the minimum number of steps that would have to happen to achieve this. And I always put a limit on five. So you've got to hit this goal in five steps. What are those things? And when you break it down and you remove all the unnecessary pieces, you can look and go, oh, actually, to go to the moon, all I have to do is I have to make sure I'm a resident of a country with a space program. I have to get a degree in a STEM subject. I have to apply to work at the space program like NASA. And then I have to apply to work, like go to the moon mission. It's like four things, which obviously each of those things has its own steps, but we don't need yeah. to worry about the many of those steps until we've taken the first one, which is make sure we're a resident of that country. So how do we do that? And then we can focus on that instead. And something as big as going to the moon is actually broken down instead of into a hundred steps, just into four main things that you have to do. And then you can focus on one at a time. Yeah. We do something similar at Decidedly where um, a lot of people who are trying to come up with a business plan or a personal wealth plan, financial plan, uh, they get overwhelmed with, oh, how much should I save? Where should I invest it? Should I buy stocks? Should I buy bonds? Should I, uh, what about tax efficiency and all these things? You go, okay, there's five decisions that you've got to make. You've got to decide who you are, decide where you are, decide where you're going, how you're going to get there, and who matters. Those are the five things. Now, any one of those has a hundred other decisions within it. But if you can decide those five things, you're going to have your simple plan, and then you can move forward and start the work. Love that. The simpler the plan, the better. I think one of the biggest challenges for most entrepreneurs, most business owners, is that they just overcomplicate things. Like the, the plan is overcomplicated and they're overstretched by that. And so it's it's almost impossible to get things done when you've completely overcomplicated it and you don't have enough time. You're really making it hard for yourself. Whereas if you can make it as simple as possible, I love your five steps, that's great. What can we do as leaders if we have people who are procrastinating, but I don't necessarily know that they're procrastinating? Ooh. Okay, so are you saying you know, they're like, hiding it from me? You know, they always meet their deadline, but ideally, I don't want them to procrastinate because I want them to be healthy. I want them to like their work, not hate their work. And if they're procrastinating and they're pulling all nighters, they're going to hate it. Their ends up their spouse is going to hate it too because they're going to see them stressing. But I don't necessarily know what's going on. So how do we find out that's going on and and get them the resources that they need? Yeah, well, I definitely think the first thing is to make procrastination like um, an okay, like it's an okay thing to to say that you're doing. Because I think a lot of people are afraid if they if they tell their they boss, they don't want to admit it. Yeah, that's a good. And point. They might be fired. They might not be seen as a productive employee. So it's really important to see it like this is something we face and that everyone faces. That we can, uh, when you let it be something people are allowed to admit, it's like, yeah, who procrastinated? Oh, I did. I did. Then you can face it. Instead yeah. of it being this like silent killer, which it really is. Uh, so bringing it up and then 
getting honest feedback about them about where they are. They, uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. To go back to kind of some of the the tips that you're providing, I get a lot of resistance from whether it be my employees or people that are in my circle who don't have the flexibility of time like I do as a business owner. They say, yeah, 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 you can you can do Sarah's scheduling system because you can decide what's on your calendar. But I can't because I have people that I have to answer to. So that just doesn't work for me. What do you tell those people? Mm. Yeah, this I actually work with a lot of people who have a, a part-time or a full-time job while also building a business. You absolutely have control over pre-planning space for things that you don't know that are going to come up. So we, if you have, say, nine till five every day, it, it's out of your control what happens. You plan that from nine to five each day, things are going to change and shift. You are aware of that ahead of time. So, for example, even for me, I don't know if somebody's going to book onto my schedule for a call. Sometimes I have spots. I have space available that I see on my calendar that those spots are going to be filled. Like I have them already planned. Like this could be filled by a client. Yeah. If it doesn't, then I can change and add things in there. And if for me, I know the day before, but for some people, they don't know until the day of. And so you can have that be part of your plan. Part of your excuse is, okay, if... Um, if nobody fills in this slot or if something changes here, this is what I do. And you're just still making all of those executive decisions about your life, even if someone else has a say in what happens, because a lot of us do have someone else have a say. Yeah. And what that's a good answer, because that's what I tell folks, too, is I don't control my calendar 100 percent. You know, <laughs> if, uh, I relinquish scheduling authority to other people on my team and they put a meeting at four. Well, I'll be there at four, you know. Yeah. If a client wants to meet at noon, I will meet at noon. So it's not like I wake up every day and just design it at that and that over breakfast. And kids, people have got kids. They're there just making decisions left, right, and center for like because of something they've done. Now you have to change what your plan is. Maybe yeah, one hundred percent. Then sick everywhere, all over the floor. Now what are you going to do? Like you, but you plan ahead of time if these types of things change, this is what I'm going to do. And that way you're still feeling in control. It's when you start to relinquish that control that, oh, well, I have no control over it. Then yeah. you start to feel like, you know, you don't have um, the ability to create the results that you want. But when you decide, no, I'm still in control of what happens when these things happen, then you get to have that sense of autonomy and agency back. That makes sense. Um what what do you think is your biggest tip for business owners who are looking to take their business to the next level, get done the things that they say they're going to get done? My biggest tip. Um, okay, it's something that I call the follow-through formula. So what you it's got four steps to it. The first All thing right. is you have to know, and the follow-through formula is how do you get yourself to follow through on what you say you're going to do. So... You have to know what the thing is that you're going to do before you do it. So it's very, very easy to procrastinate if you're not totally clear on what that thing is and when you're supposed to do it. So you want to have a specific action for a specific time. And you want to know that, like, you know, it, it's 10 a.m. Tuesday. I'm going to see, I'm going to send an email by 11 o'clock. That email is going to be sent or 10 emails are going to be sent, whatever the decision is. You have mm -hmm. to make that decision. And then you have to expect resistance. And this is the part where I think most people, um, they beat themselves up because the, I have a big sign on my yeah. wall. I can see it right there. It says release the resistance. You have to expect <laughs> that resistance is going to come up because if you expect that it's not, you're already putting yourself on the back foot. You will feel resistant. You aren't going to want to do it. There's going to be a hundred reasons why. And when you let your brain be surprised by that information, like, wow, that's so weird because that's what I always used to do. Like, huh. I don't feel like doing it. I feel overwhelmed and confused. Maybe I shouldn't do it as if that's a good reason. But you have to expect that overwhelm. And when I say expect it, I mean like find the thought. What is the thought that's stopping me? And what yeah. would I need to think instead? That's the third step. What do I need to think to actually follow through on this? And then once you've got that thought, like let's say the resistant thought that I'm feeling is um, there's too much to do. That's the thought. Yeah. There's no way I'm going to get this done in the, in the amount of time. So the thought that I would need to think 
that is what I call an antidote. It's a thought that actually like cancels out that thought. You can't hold both of these thoughts at the same time. It might be something like, um, there's enough time for what's actually important. I can get on board with that. I'm like, okay. And then I'm, the fourth thing is I'm just going to come up with all the reasons why that's true. All yeah. the things to make, there's, okay, well, actually the email doesn't have to be that complicated. I just have to make sure they get sent in. It doesn't have to be perfect, just has to be done. And so I'm coming up with all the evidence. So you create a specific plan for a specific action for a specific time. You find what the resistance is. You expect it to come up. So what is that thought? You find a new thought that would overcome it. And then you find all the evidence for why that's true. And you're going to end up compelled into action. Yeah, that's perfect. Sarah, where can people connect with you and the work that you're doing? Yes, you can find me everywhere under my name, Sarah Arnold Hall. My website, sarahonorable.com. But particularly, you want to go and listen to my podcast, Stop Procrastinating for Entrepreneurs. It's on all the podcast platforms, and that's where I discuss a lot of the different topics that we talked about today. Thanks for being here so much. If you run into Sean on the street, uh, say hi. I will. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. My biggest takeaway from talking with Sarah's are first big topic of conversation, which was that procrastination doesn't have one source. In fact, procrastination is rather a symptom of some other negative emotions or unhelpful emotions. And those are either confusion, overwhelming, self-doubt, fear, lethargy. We've got to find which of those is causing our procrastination before we can tackle the procrastination itself. You just made a great decision to listen to this episode of Decidedly. Make another great decision and leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate your support. It helps others find our community and defeat bad decision-making in their own lives. For more daily decision-making insights, check us out at decidedlypodcast.com and on Facebook and Instagram at decidedlypodcast. Thanks again for listening. I'm Sanger Smith, and this is Decidedly. Insights, advice, and comments provided by Sean Smith, Sanger Smith, and speakers identified as part of the Decidedly podcast should not be considered recommendations. Speakers not identified as members of Decidedly are expressing their opinion, and their statements should not be construed as reflecting the views of the Decidedly team. This podcast is produced solely for informational purposes, not personalized advice.